Imagine being able to ask any question about church issues and practices at any time. Imagine getting a response in 24 hours or less. Imagine a team led by Tom Rayner answering your questions. It's like having your own church consultant on staff, and it's only $14.97 per month. That's only 49 cents per day, and there's no long-term commitment. You can try it today at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. You'll also get a free virtual staff meeting led by Tom Rayner every single month. Again, join us at churchanswers.com slash subscribe. Got church questions? Get church answers. Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, and welcome to another episode of EST. My name is Josh King. This is the podcast for established church pastors by established church pastors. Today, we have the entire team on the show. Micah and Sam are with me this morning. How are you both doing? I'm good. Yeah, are y'all? Are fant- yep. Oh, it's gorgeous, man. Yeah, good. this is perfect. This is, we're, we're, we're almost at peak Tennessee mountain time of the year. Well, time of the, speaking of time of the year, we are college football week. It's starting. It's coming. At least at the time of this recording, yeah, it's getting. That's close. true. That's true, and and so uh, we'll be well into it by this time. So but by the time it releases, yeah, I mean, I might actually be paying attention to college football. <laughs> who who do who do you pull for, Sam? I don't. Well, okay, so I graduate. I went to University of Kentucky for two years. Okay, so y'all don't have a football, football program. Yeah, football no, there's no football I gradu- team. I graduated from the University of South Carolina, but mm, because I, I went to the I went to the business school there, but I was mm-hmm. only there two years. So, I mean, mm. I, I love – let me tell you, South Carolina, great time there. I went to all the football games, had a blast. It was a wonderful institution. I just don't have any, like, strong ties. To, strong to allegiances. South, South Carolina. Um, well, nobody knows who Micah and I pull for. Um, it's kind of a secret. We don't make a big deal out of, you know, Texas or Florida. But I think we're pretty <laughs> excited about, um, you know, college football. I hear, I hear Florida's supposed to be doing good things. Um, I watch a, I watch a lot of Gator football if I if I watch it I watch I watch oh, probably Sam you make my heart warm I do well I mean <laughs> I, I mean I'm in my Southwest heart Florida we got it we got a good mix of Seminoles Gators and Hurricanes here well let's let's just back up and say that there is no such thing as a good mix of those things there is mm. a mix of those things it's the Gators and then those other teams that defile the water. <laughs> <laughs> Micah, I would encourage you. If any church calls you to to Florida, you probably should not go because. Can <laughs> if it's in what Gainesville? Where's y'all? Yeah, field? unless unless it's in Gainesville. Yes. Yeah. No. See, listen. This is the, first of all. You forget. I, I I've preached in and served tons of churches in Florida. I bring this up incessantly, and I serve mm-hmm. a church. I serve a church dead center between Tennessee and the University of Georgia right now, mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. uh, I figure. Mm-hmm. By the way, I figure there's a good model out there because you know who was a an iconic Tennessee pastor who was a diehard Gator fan, right? No. Dr. Adrian Rogers. That's right. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Dr. Adrian Didn't Rogers. know that. Didn't yep. know it. Huge Gator fan, longtime Tennessee pastor. He's my model. I figure if he can do it, so can I. That's funny. Well, you know, if you're going to have somebody as a model, uh, Adrian uh, is probably you know, the top of the list. a good one. Yeah. It's a good yeah, one. I'm with you there. It's kind of <laughs> so, hard, hard, hard to argue against that. So you know who I'm going to be cheering for this year as well? 
the we University of Central Arkansas Bears. Now yeah, tell, us, tell us why Josh. that is, Josh. Yeah. Huge fan of UCA Bears, Coach Brown. We um, just yesterday went and preached uh, at the time of recording this, so that's August 20-something. Seven. The seventh, so the sixth, we I went and preached in view of call at the Second Baptist Church of Conway, Arkansas, where the University of Central Arkansas, Hendricks College, Central Baptist College are all located, and um, it was a unanimous vote, two services, unanimous vote of Baptist all choosing something at the same time. So that's good. I'm glad and, they passed uh, out the Kool Aid before you preached. They passed out the Kool Aid, you know. And uh, Josh, we, we need to, something's wrong with that church, man. I know, right? <laughs> you should be scared. <laughs> they voted unanimously. They're gonna kill me. I don't They're understand what's going on. It's a I've trap. never heard of a church that size. I've never heard Mm-mm. of a unanimous vote. I, I mean, that, that's Neither impressive. Have I. I mean, I have, I, w- I have not gotten a unanimous vote. I was sure. confident, and the committee was confident, but we were all shocked. We were just shocked, and so. Um, I mean, there's a very good possibility someone accidentally clicked the wrong box. That happens, you know. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe one or two of those. Um, and so we're real excited about it. And which brings up sort of the conversation today is, you know, I've been asked a couple of times from some folks that knew that we were going through that process. How do you deal or talk with pastor search teams? And I think that there's a number of aspects that we can go with this conversation. Because we've all done other, it. If this were the other Rainer podcast, immediately we would be shifting to Vanderblumen Search Firm. Vanderblumen Search Firm is in Houston and blah, 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 blah. blah. Yeah, but, they, but they're not other, paid. They're not paid sponsors, so no. But they're, yeah, mm-hmm. they're not a paid sponsor here. But they're a good company. I'll give a little plug. They are. Right. So the um, pastor search teams, we've got a number of things that aspects to deal with them. Um, or just when you feel like maybe God's releasing you from the place that you're at, how do you go about that? You know, I guess that we could just start there. Are you guys in favor of what I call the shotgun approach, or have y'all seen that work for people where they just throw their resume out to every single church out there? And, and are there some pluses and minuses to that approach? It mainly minuses. Mainly? Mm-hmm. If, um, you're talking about as the candidate, as the person who's looking for a position? Right, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the only time that works is if you are in a, a, a situation where you, you don't have a job or you, you really need to make a quick transition. And God yeah. has just said, time to go now. And you, right. you have no idea where you're going. you got to provide for your family. you got to provide for your family, whatever it is. Right. Yeah, but typically speaking, yeah, that does more harm than good, certainly to your reputation. Word gets out. You know. Well, I think at, even if it doesn't get out, you become confused. It's hard to make decisions if you just have a ton of options. And as you were saying, um, in personal conversations, we were all talking about knowing ourselves. And so if you know yourself and where you might be a good fit and those sort of things, you can talk specifically to uh, different churches. So my approach this last time was to just let, um, I don't know, there's maybe five men in my life, mentors, peers, who knew that God had... I'm glad you clarified that they were mentors, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, these close relationships that I had just said, I believe that God has, you know, kind of laid it on my heart to go. And so, um, you know, would you pray about that and help me kind of pray through this? And so that's what happened. Uh, the pastor of First Baptist Church Hot Springs, who is an avid listener of the show, by the way, he uh, he, he messaged me and asked me if I would be interested in 2BC. And uh, as a Texan, a Dallas Texan, the idea of going to Arkansas was a bit foreign um, not normal, and uh, but it worked out. So, Michael, what's your take on that initial approaching the PSTs, the pastor search teams? 
Yeah, so I um, I think this is an area. Let's let's say this is an area where there is no hard and fast rule of what's right and what's wrong. Of course, um, this is an ethical. You know, this isn't an, an area where there's ethical ambiguity to some degree. Mm-hmm. So it's is it wrong to float a bunch of resumes? No. My preference is that you don't do it, and I think Sam's right. I think if you do that, it can be unwise. I, I'll just I'll tell you what we've done in our in our experience. Our philosophy has been wherever you're at stay there and be committed to stay there and if the lord wants you to move somewhere you don't have to put resumes out the lord will make it very clear to you and he will pursue you and and i and that's not and i don't say that as hey everybody needs to do this because i recognize there are times when that's not a feasible option you're looking for a position you don't have one you know that sort of thing um but so far i mean i'll be 40 in two months and we've been you know served in a number of different ministry positions that's how every position i've ever been in has occurred you know we've been where we were at and um someone from a ministry has approached us and said hey would you consider that's how i got to brainerd in fact i didn't have a resume out i didn't know that brainerd was looking at me their search team came across me and was and did research for about six weeks and i got a phone call out of the blue one day said hey would you consider and so again i'm please hear me i'm not saying that's the norm that everybody has to do I don't, again, this is an ethical, there's some ethical ambiguity here. It doesn't mean it's wrong to float resumes. I just tend to think the wise option is to stay where you're at, be faithful, and then when the Lord pursues you for somewhere new, then you consider it. You know, you pray through that. And I've talked to a number of people who are in this stage. They're kind of looking for churches. They're they're looking around. They're praying about it and things. I really do think that there is some wisdom to getting a little bit of feedback on your resume. We keep talking about, like, floating the resume or putting it in or having somebody else I just think that you need to get some feedback on making your resume, you know, appealing, building your career, so to speak, not not in the way that most people do, like building their platform, but just making sure you're focusing on the right things in your resume. And also, uh, it's always best if someone else puts it in for you, has a nice letter and kind of puts that's a tip or, a you know, a thing to think about. If somebody else puts your name out there, kind of like what you're talking about, Micah, people will come to you. The other approach that seems to be real helpful is a friend like John, uh, in my case, saying, well, I'll I'll give him a talk for you. You know, like, I think you'd be a good fit. If you're interested, I'll call him and put your name in. And that really does kind of make a difference in from what I've heard from the, the pastor search teams or committees that yeah, I've you, talked to. I mean, I can tell you on this side, and Sam, you can speak to this, Josh, you can as well, when we're trying to select staff positions, for instance, Mm-hmm. Uh, and pastor search teams are the same. We get inundated. If we make a staff position known that it's available, we get inundated with resumes. In fact, that's why we often don't make it public that we're looking for a staff position because we get just overwhelmed with resumes. And generally speaking, I look through and I look for two things when I'm looking through a resume. What experience do they have? In other words, I'm looking, is it a church that I'm aware of that I could touch base with someone and find out about that person? And who are their references? Is, are their references someone that I know so mm-hmm. that I can reach out to them? I'm looking for somebody I know and trust that can vouch for this person. So generally speaking, the majority of the time, the resumes I pay attention to are not the resumes that are, involu- that are voluntarily sent to us. They're right. resumes where someone I know hands it to me. In fact, I got one this morning that someone I know and trust sent me a resume and said, here... Um, I know there's something that you guys are looking for. This is someone that I trust, and I think you should you should consider. And uh, that's the person I'm going to look at. Very cool. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Josh, that it is always better 
to have someone recommend you to a church, particularly if there's a connection. So um, Micah's advice is, is excellent, but if you are newer in ministry or, let's say, in a, in a context that nobody knows who you are, maybe you're right. serving in obscurity— which there that's a noble thing by the way. I mean Absolutely. not every pastor should be building this giant platform and be known nationally. I mean if we we were all known nationally, we would all be unknown. I mean it, it's just a bit silly to to talk at length about platform building even though I'm not you know ex, you know so opposed to it. It's just it's not for everybody. So but that does get you to a point let's say you've served someplace 5 years, you're new in ministry, you really do feel like hey, my my time is winding down. I I feel like there's a next thing and and you just feel the spirit moving, and you've got a very genuine heart about it, and you are completely toiling in obscurity, but it's time to move on. What do you do? Well, you find—hopefully you've got mentors and network, people in your life that, you know, you can trust, and you go to them and you talk, and you say, okay, you know, I'm thinking there may be a next thing, and you let them kind of say, well, I've heard of this church, I've heard of this church, um, and, and, and allow that process to happen that way. But just sending out 500 resumes someplace— is um, is not going to do you much good because yeah, Josh, you're right. It's confusing. It's confusing. Yeah, confusing. I, I think you're also right in that respect, uh, both of you. But Sam, I like your you know your point of seeking out someone who's wise. And and Josh, I mean, you said basically the same exact thing with your resume at Second Conway. Again, search committees are wondering how a person. Well, let me, let me, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think how to say this. It's difficult for a resume to stand out on the merits of the resume itself. Mm-hmm. And churches who have open positions get flooded with those resumes. If someone the church knows and trusts says to them, you should pay attention to this person, they're more likely to be interested. And so if you're, to, to, to some degree, Sam, you're absolutely right. I mean, often when you're serving, people, nobody, very few people know who you are or has any sort of um, connection to you. But generally we have someone who's a friend in ministry, someone who's a mentor. Right. And asking them, you know, who, who do you know that's available or what churches are open and asking them to help you along the way, I think is generally a good, a good, a good uh, piece of advice. And, and it's, it's amazingly helpful, too, because you don't particularly know the ins and outs of other churches that are out there. But this in-between person we're talking about is so helpful because they can say, um, I know you, I know your personality, and I was friends with the previous pastor over here or... I, I'm real familiar with this church. It's in my town or something like that. And I think you guys would fit perfectly. That's exactly what John told me. I would have not necessarily considered. I didn't even know there was a town called Conway. But he said, I think you look and feel and the way you talk. And since he listens to all the podcasts and those sort of things, he says, I think you're a good fit for this. That was very affirming or encouraging to me to con- you know go through that conversation with Second Baptist. But Let's move just a little bit further into once they do connect with you. I think there's a lot of confusion on this. Some people will say, what questions do I ask immediately? What things do I avoid? Another big topic that we can get into is, okay, I'm a Calvinist or I'm a um, moderationist or something. Um, we even joke a lot about sort sort of like I'm moving to Arkansas, but I'm a Longhorn fan. Do I bring that up really in the conversations and in the interviews or do we let that kind of come out later? Those sort of issues that you know might be either fun conflicts or real actual conflicts. So I think we can get in that later. But let's talk about the the initial conversation. They reach out to you. They're talking to you. What, what are some tips for people as they are beginning that conversation with a pastor search team? Listen, do way do 90 percent listening on the front end if you're the candidate. Mm. 
let the search committee do all the talking. Okay. You will learn so much if you just keep your mouth shut mm-hmm. and listen and ask, you know, a handful of questions. Questions like what excites your church? Good one. You know, what what when people get up on Sunday morning, what gets them here? Um, you know, personally, what what are you passionate about in this church? Uh, in five years, where do you think this church will be? And just let them talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. You will do yourself so many favors if you what, just... What's your favorite question to ask? Like, when you've been in those positions before, what's the most insightful one for you? My, my favorite question to ask is, what excite, pick one thing. Mm-hmm. What excites you most about your church? And force the question, like, what, pick one thing. And then I ask, pick one thing. That the follow-up is pick one thing. What is what is one thing that you would change in your church? Hmm. And, and there's a four hour there's four hours worth of talking right there. And all right. you have to do is sit back and listen. And you're going to get a feel early on, like, whoa, this church is not for me. Hmm. What about or, you, Michael? Or wow, I'm I'm I have the same exact passions as they do. Yeah. But listen, don't don't try to sell yourself. Hmm. It, it, Good don't, point. Don't do that early on. Wait yeah. on that. Yeah, I, I, I like Sam's uh, my, my question. I like Sam's question. My question that I've asked before is not that far from his. One of the most powerful times I ever had with a search team, um, I sat back. This was our second or third meeting, lengthy interview, two or three hours long. And, and Sam is right. Listen as much as you can. Talk less. Listen more. But I asked the question. I asked. There were 10 members of the search team. And I went around the room and I said, I want each of you to answer this question. 10 years from now, if I come as your pastor and everything is successful, what does the church look like? Describe Hmm. to me what the church looks like in 10 years if we are exactly what you hope and pray the church will be. Hmm. And uh, it's interesting. It does two things. Number one, you get to hear their heart. What do they really value? What matters to them as a church? What, you know, is success for them a chaplain who's going to really care for us and know all of our names? Or is success, hey, we're going to have lots of people in the mission field? Or is success, we're going to baptize a ton of people? Or, you know what I mean? It, you're going to find out what their heart really is, what they really value. Two, it's, it, it was interesting to me when I've done this before to watch them get extremely excited about the church hmm. and to know what their yeah. level of passion is about the church. And so yeah, that, that question is a fun question to ask. So I definitely have asked the same kind of vein of questions you guys are throwing out there. Another one that I really like is to say, have you guys done any kind of, I don't know, like a survey or feedback from the from the church, from the leadership, from the staff? And what are what are y'all wanting, looking for? And why why do you think I fit that? I just want to know sort of their perception of me and why they think I would fit that. I've because I've talked to some before who, you know, they have this perception of me as being much different than I actually am or things I'm not actually passionate about or strengths I don't actually have. And so that really gave me an insight as to what they are what they think they're talking to. And it does give some insight into kind of the things that you guys are saying as far as, you know, um, what they're passionate about because they think I fit their dream and or, you know, at some points they think that. So I want to make sure that they have a clear perception of me and it does give some insight into what they're sort of dreaming about. So what are some red flags for you guys? 
Oh, there are lots of them. I've, I've experienced a, a number of, of red flags. Well, let me just also say this, Sam, and I want you to finish, but no church is perfect. So we're not talking like this is the way that you make sure you go to the perfect church. Churches are going to say things. Also, committees are just made up of a group of people that got voted on. They're not like pastoral experts. So they might say the wrong thing. They might be super excited about their steeple. Nobody else in the whole church really cares about that steeple at all but that one person does but go ahead sam i'm sorry to cut you off i just i don't want to beat up on pastors oh, I'm, I'm used yet. to it at this point we've been doing this a long time <laughs> um, sorry by the way we're only like three episodes from number 100 mm-hmm. this is a big deal how cool is that we need to have cool cake or something we'll have cake i'll send one to y'all's <laughs> offices so all right um one no search committee is representative of the church that's hogwash don't don't fall for that one no search committee it, it's just a bunch of gr- a group of individuals. Now they may be representative in terms of like, oh, we have all generations, you know. But you can't, you can't represent the entire church with like five, seven, eleven people, whatever it is. Um, so, in terms of red flags, um, posturing, tone, um, even even the kinds of questions they ask you early on are are, are major red flags. You know, if you know if they're if they aren't acting excited about you, and you're just uh, in a beauty pageant contest, um, run, run. I mean, don't don't even go down that road. I don't care how good the church is, how big the church is, how much money they can pay you. If they are just going to put you in a lineup and pick the prettiest one, you're doomed to fail at that church. Um, God's not in that process. So be very very careful of. Um, hey, you're you're one of. 15 and we're all going to have you come preach and you know we're going to make a selection i mean it just I, I i wouldn't even jump into that situation that you know if a church is looking at me um which they're not right now so you know um i guess church is always looking but i'm not i'm not in transition for members of west Braden to just to be clear it's just yeah. just to be clear um but if a church is looking at me i want them to be excited about me i want them to come to me and and say you know hey we really think that you have the potential to be our pastor and they work maybe i'm not the only candidate but i don't want to just be one in a number where you know you're they're just going to pick the one they like the best that that, i just don't see that being a good process at all i'd run from from i have run from from those kinds of situations Hmm. mikey you got any red flags things that just kind of turn your way sure i agree with sam there's lots of them but one in particular (laughs) is I'm very leery if there's a lot of questions about my, what my wife and children are going to do if I'm if I'm the pastor of the church. Hmm. And uh, I'm I've every search team I've ever met with since I've been married um which hasn't been that many frankly. I've only um I think with one exception, one or two exceptions, I've every I mean I've only met with search teams at places where I've gone. So there's there's not a lot of options out. I mean, I don't have a lot of experience in this area, but Every time I've ever met with a search team, I'm really clear from the beginning. Um, my wa- you're not calling my wife and my kids to, to, to come on staff at your church. And my expectation for them is the same as it is for any other member of the church. I want them to come to worship. I want them to be a part of a life group. And I want them to have somewhere in ministry to serve. But they don't have to serve in 30 areas of ministry. If, if they're asking a lot of questions about what my wife's going to do or what her responsibilities are going to be, that's a serious red flag for me. Yeah, I can see that. Another another red flag is a large amount of questions concerning style, whether it be how you dress, how you preach, worship music, whatever. And so a lot of questions about style and almost none or few questions about doctrine. 
you know, be very, very careful with that church because they, they ain't looking for a preacher, teacher, pastor if they're predominantly talking about issues of style and not at all talking about what is your doctrine? What do you believe about this you know, particular book or this particular book? Right. I grow concerned if there are a lot of questions. It's essentially a list of will you will you change to this? So they they've heard you know me preach. They've seen my current church. They've seen my my um, resume. They've maybe listened to EST those sort of things. But then they go through and say, okay, we know you're like this now, but would you be willing to change to these standards? And they'll go through you know. Once it gets to four or five things, it it becomes like you don't actually want me to pastor. And, you know, pastors are leadership positions, so you don't actually want me to lead this group. You just want me to come in and just carry on with what you're doing. And, that you know, there are pastors out there that meet their standards and are great, you know, godly people. And so that's fine, but it's just not me. So I I grow kind of weary if they're wanting to bring in a puppet or something that meets their standards instead of, somebody that will lead them into the next phase of their ministry. And I would add, if a church is not willing to address an elephant in the room, if there is one, then run from that as well. Um, So let me give you an example. It's a a vague example because I don't want to identify the church. It was from a long time ago Um, in my life. I had a church that was looking at me and had approached me. I, I had no connection to the church. They just came out of the blue, approached me, were very excited about me supposedly. And had a major, and they had a major scandal. I don't even get, I won't even get to the details of that scandal. But the name of the church—it's a very large church—but it was not the name of the church was not good in the community where they were. Hmm. And you know, you're here talking to the search committee, and they're just coming out of this scandal, which was significant news, and they're not even talking about it. Well, you know, that's that's a church that is doing something wrong, whatever it was. They're not addressing that big elephant in the room. It could be something like they forced their last pastor out and <laughs> nobody's really talking I wanna about that. I want to hear why. <laughs> I yeah. want to know what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, okay, you pushed out your last pastor and we're not really going there. You know, there, there's some things that, you know, if, if there's an elephant in the room and they're not willing to come clean about it, address it, talk about it, it doesn't mean you have to camp there. But if they're not, will, if they're not discussing it at all, yeah, you don't want to go there. You're mm-hmm. just gonna. You're just gonna. And the same thing's gonna happen to you, whatever it was. Hmm. Yeah. Let me. If I can give another recommendation, that's maybe a little bit different. And and here's the reality: we don't control what search teams do. So um, this may or may not be uh, something you can control. But one of the things I wanted, I, I try and have an opportunity to do when I'm either in the search process or if I'm looking at a staff person, both, is try and get out of a typical formal interview setting into something more casual. Uh, people tend to sort of let their guard down, whether it's going to a ball game or going to a meal somewhere, you know, somewhere where it's a little bit more casual environment. When you're in formal, everybody in a formal situation, everybody tends to have their A game on. You do, they do. If you can be in a more casual environment, it helps to sort of reduce some of those, um, um, I don't know, barriers that people put up when they're sort of trying to put on a good face for you and helps you allow, you know, allows you to have an opportunity to find out who they really are in a more relaxed uh, environment and gives you a better feel for whether you're culturally a good fit or not. I like that. We've had, um, we've had some over to the house to have dinner just at our place. And uh, it was more, we got to host shows our personalities because we're very relational and hosting. We weren't able to do that with TBC, although I really wanted to Um, just very early on. I thought, I would be friends with these people. I like these people a lot, just their personalities. Another thing that I've learned, 
uh, through some hard experiences also and the way that 2BC approached it. And I, again, we're talking about things that aren't – there's no hard and fast rules on these things. But at some point – And by the way, 2BC. 2BC. Uh, Second Baptist Church. 2 yeah, sorry. Just just for our listeners. Just yeah, clarifying. sorry. Your, your new church. Yeah, the new one, Second Baptist. So one thing I learned from them and learned hard ways from others was at some point the team needs to zero in on a candidate, be talking to a person. If that's you, good. If not, good too. So you don't want to be constantly getting into – five, six conversations, coming to your church, going out to their place, and they're still talking to three or four people, still taking resumes, all that. That's just going to, I mean, that's just going to drag on and on and on. I mean, at first, you should expect that they're going to talk to multiple. They're going to narrow it down and those sort of things. But if there's no end to the accepting of resumes or the talking to people, you're just, that process is just never going to end. And so that really drags out the experience on your side it also risks a lot of things going wrong. So um, those are when we're talking about process. I love what Micah says there with you know going out into a non-formal setting. Also, I would say at some point, and I I kind of always ask when. So what's the next step in your? I always finish conversations that way. So what's the next step in your process? When will I expect to hear back? And you know I just want to set you know reasonable expectations because if you expect to hear back tomorrow. And they're not planning for another two weeks. That's going to drive you and your spouse crazy, just trying to figure out, you know, when are they going to be talking back to us? So, so let's before we end. I know we're about out of time. I know our listeners, particularly those who are in this process right now, or about to be in this process, are probably wondering when do you bring up the pay question? Hmm. And I get that question all the time. When do I talk about pay? What do you guys think? Man, I have no idea. <laughs> that's always the hardest one. But let's be real. I mean, that's why the, this, that's why we do this is so yeah. we can help people out. Yeah. I mean, that, you're going to have to go there somewhere. So okay. What, what, do you, what does that look like? Micah, you're in charge. What? When do we do that? You're not going to like my answer, guys. I've well, never, I've never, it. I've never asked about the pay at any job I've ever taken, except for well, no one. The one I can remember, the person hiring me brought it up. But in fact. Uh, uh, if I'm, I'm pretty sure the last two churches I served as senior pastor, I agreed before we ever talked salary. So I, I'm probably not the right one to, <laughs> to talk uh, about this. Micah, one. that's what I've done. I've Is never, that right? I've, 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 I've ex- all of my churches I've accepted without. Um, a major discussion of pay. Yeah, hmm. my, my argument for, for me is that we're tr- we believe the Lord is the one who guides our steps and directs our direct and directs our vocational direction, and I'm trusting Him. And if if I mean the the like for instance at Brainerd. We knew this is where the Lord has us. And I told them, I said, I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I would do this for free. I mean, I, I love what I do, and I believe the Lord's called me to this. And if, I mean, I just, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a pastor. It's what he's called me to be. And second of all, I trust you guys to do a good job of making sure we're taken care of. And I'm going to accept pretty much whatever you offer uh, hmm. to me. And and that's, I mean, you know. I've never asked, that's just but I've been. never had to. It always came up right between the last, like, hey, you're our guy, and we want you to come preach, and the actual coming to preach. So it's all come up So the two times. So I've only done this as a lead pastor twice, but as an associate or a student pastor um, a handful of times. So it's always come up in between the final, like, you're it, we'd like to offer it to you, here's the package, and then we'd like you to to come out, um, you know, and and, and preach. a A good search committee. 
will ask you questions like, okay, where are you current? What is your current pay? Mm -hmm. You know, they will, they will try to figure it out to, um, to help you out. Yeah. Now, what I will say is uh, the pay question is a little tricky. I do get that. Um, but what, there are some things that you can ask. So if you're in a small, let's say in a smaller setting and you're wondering, like, is this a full-time or a part-time position? I'm sure some of our listeners have interviewed with churches and you, you like, I don't even know if this is full-time or part-time. I think that's a fair question to ask, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey guys, um, very interested in this, just out of curiosity, is this full-time or part-time? And that'll, that'll give you, and that, and that may allow them to go, oh, okay. And then they may then bring up the pay question. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that you can ask to prompt the question without sounding like a scumbag. Right. Yeah, the, other, money. the other thing I would recommend, you know, Lifeway and Guidestone, for instance, have worked together to create um, an online database of church, sal- of church uh, salary and benefits based on church size. Anybody in the country can just Google Lifeway Guidestone uh, benefit analysis or something along those lines, and it'll pull it comp up. Comp study. Comp- compensation study. And there are other studies yeah. out there that you can pay for that I, I think it's wise just to know before you get having a conversation with a church, okay, based on church size and budget, this is sort of the pay range out to be able to anticipate. I mean, you can mm-hmm. go into it with that idea. That I have done. I mean, when it comes to churches, I generally go into it with an idea of this is probably somewhere in this range is where we're going to be. And, uh, and that way at yeah. least you have a fair assessment of uh, what to anticipate. And, you know, then you also can know whether when they do, you know, say this is what we're going to provide as an option, you can know whether it's significantly out of whack one direction or the other. Very good. That's all the time we have for today. I think we could do the follow-up episode on this, just the actual transition. Let's say you've got the job, you're transitioning, how does that work, and you're coming off of all that. But thanks for listening, and we'll follow, uh, we'll connect with you online at twitter.com slash church. We'd love to connect with you there, and uh, we'll catch you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. Support for EST is sponsored by Pastor Talk by Lifeway. Join host Marty Dern as he interviews pastors, professors, authors, and other ministry practitioners. Pastor Talk gives you tools and encouragement to shepherd your flock well. Subscribe to Pastor Talk in iTunes or your favorite podcatcher or listen online at lifewaypastors.com.